If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Level Up, the esports and gaming show with me, Nathan Bliss, esports and gaming writer at Reach PLC. In this week's episode, I spoke to Ryan Pessoa, professional FIFA player for Manchester City. We talked about his journey into FIFA esports, how he accidentally qualified for his first ever FIFA esports event, his experience with Hashtag United, signing for Manchester City, his thoughts on FIFA 20, looking ahead to FIFA 21, and his future aspirations. Enjoy. I'm delighted to be joined by Ryan Pessoa, professional FIFA player for Man City. Uh, how are you doing, Ryan? I'm very well, thanks. Um, I appreciate the opportunity and I hope you're doing well as well. Oh, thanks. Thanks a lot. Yeah, it's great to have you on, Ryan. Really interesting, really, to hear your story um, as a professional FIFA player, one of the best in the world at what you do. Um, I just wanted to hear more about how you became a professional FIFA esports player in the first place. Yeah, so I'd say my entrance into FIFA esports was a bit, it's a bit different to other people. It's a bit unorthodox because I didn't technically know that FIFA Esports existed at the time. It was in 2017, I believe it was 2017 towards the end or towards the end of the FIFA cycle. So it was about April, around about there, April or May. And um, during that year, I was at university. So I was in the first year, I found that on weekends that I played football as well. So I had some spare time and that was when they introduced Ultimate Team. I'm not Ultimate Team, sorry, Foot Champions on Ultimate Team. And you had to play 40 games per weekend. Then it was on a Saturday and Sunday. And then you ranked up in the world. You got like amazing rewards for, for where you finished and et cetera, et cetera. But I used to compete against friends, basically, just to see who could get the best ultimate team, who could get the best rewards, the highest rank on that um, weekend league. And I remember it was it was around about May. And during that time, there was a qualifying month, but I never really knew about it. And I remember at the time, I was like first in the world going into the last week. And I just wanted to get first in the world just to, to have like an accolade, just so I can show my friends and just show off and, and just gloat to them. And I remember I was getting a message from, he's another pro as well, he's really, really good. And he was telling me that, because at the time I messaged him before, just to play a few games, just to practice against him, just see like where I fed up. Because I knew how good he was at the time, but I never knew that there was an actual scene. It's, it's really hard to explain, but I remember in the final week, I didn't do as well as I, as I could have, but I still managed to qualify for the event in Germany at the time. And I remember receiving an email from them just maybe a month or so before the tournament started. And they were like, yeah, you have to, to give like your passport details so we can book your flight, all of that stuff. And I remember telling my mom and she was like, yeah, you're not going. There's no way. Because obviously at the time, my mom had absolutely no idea that the scene existed or esports was even a thing. So for me to give out my passport information to like someone random over the Internet, and I don't even know what it's for anyway, like specifically, it was just like at the time anyway, there was no way I was, I was able to make it happen. But I remember I created a, a Twitter account because of a, a YouTuber. His name is Fuji. He told me, he was messaging me on Xbox telling me, you have to create a Twitter account because I played him on Weekend League and he said how good I was. And it's like, there's a scene where you can make a lot of money from it. There's a good opportunities. So I created Twitter and then, yeah, I got approached by a few teams and yeah, I managed to sign for Excel 
and going to that tournament in Germany in Munich and I ended up winning that tournament as well. So ever since then, I've just been competing. So you accidentally qualified for a major tournament in FIFA Esports, like you, you didn't even realise you'd done it. No, so you got I, that I didn't realise. And one of the craziest things as well, because when we were there, they were showing our statistics throughout the year on Weekend League, because that was the way to qualify. And I remember there was a qualifying tournament in, I think it was, it was even November or like February. It was one of those two months. I can't remember which one it was. And at the time I was in contention to qualify. But I didn't finish the final weekend league because I come. I think I had like a football tournament or something at uni or just something. Maybe I just wasn't bothered to play it. But if I had carried on playing and I'd done well, I would have qualified for for that event way earlier than than the one at the end of the year. That's crazy as a, as a story. Just not in realizing that it's something you could do. That must have been such a whirlwind couple of weeks for you to go from just playing it casually almost to then getting that email. How long was it? when you got that email that you thought, actually, I can make a career out of FIFA esports? To be honest, even with that email, I didn't really think too much about it. I thought, yeah, it's, another, it's a good opportunity. Again, all I wanted to do was just play with, with my friends and just show that we always used to brag about each other, who's the best, blah, blah, blah. And this was an extra reason to show that I'm the best out of like, my friend group. And there was also another player I played on Xbox. I used to play not only with like my school friends and stuff, but there's some people online, if I thought they were really, really good, I would message them. If they would beat me, for example, I'd message them just to play them again, just to see if I could beat them. And there was another guy, I remember, he's a French player. He doesn't compete anymore, but he competed around about the time. He was at like similar stages to me, just entering the scene. And I remember playing against him and he destroyed me. And I messaged him and then we started talking about for, for a while. Probably we're, we're good friends. I still speak to him occasionally now, um, but he's not involved in the scene anymore. But he was telling me how I should like email teams and create social media just to show, just to put my name out there and try and enter like little practice tournaments that, that are going on. And I remember there was, there's a, there's a YouTuber in the UK called Bates and he held like a, it was like a gaming ladder, like a tournament ladder. I forgot. I, I want to say it was on Gfinity. I could be wrong, but it was on one of those gaming websites where you had to play a certain amount of times per month or, or trying to gather up as much points to finish in the top 16 or the top eight. I can't remember so I've done that. I've done pretty well in that. I think I reached the semi-finals in that one, which was which was good as well. It was a good experience. So as the time went on, I just tried to enter more and more tournaments just to, to get my name out there. So were you like one of the best among your friends group? Yeah, I would destroy my friends. I remember there was a period of time, it might have been maybe four years, where no none of my friends beat me. And we had in my friend group that played FIFA, at the time there was about eight of us, maybe even more than eight, eight or nine of us that used to play on a regular basis. So I'm destroying them for for years and years. It was like uh, I had like a, a bounty on my head. Whoever could beat me, just like everyone was looking for it. But I remember once when I lost, I was devastated. Like it was heartbreaking. And I bet they now say I beat a professional. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously you qualified for that uh, that tournament and you won it. But when did it really sink in that you you could do this as a long term career as a as an esports pro? Weirdly enough, so after winning that tournament, I qualified for the, the grand finals, which is the biggest competition of the year. The way I look at it now, at the time, I didn't really embrace the occasion. I didn't think it was that big of a deal when it's it's a massive deal. It's like the biggest tournament of the year. But at the time, I, I knew it was a big tournament because I knew that the prize money that was up for grabs. I've heard of some of the names like Gorilla. Like I used to watch him on YouTube, but I, I never knew he was a FIFA pro. It's, it's so weird. It, it's so hard to explain. But even at that time, going into that tournament... I didn't think there was anything major that could come of it. Obviously, there were opportunities to work with esports teams. But I'd say the time when I realized how big it was was actually after the tournament. That's 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 the craziest thing of it all. That's when I knew 
because I saw like the amount of money that was up for grabs in terms of prize pool. The the famous people that were there, like Ruth Hillett was at the grand finals. There was a lot of celebrities in the in the football scene as well that were there. And that's when I met Spencer Owen as well. So we spoke about the potential of, of joining Hashtag United. And that's when I thought, wow, okay, Hashtag's like a huge team. I watched them on YouTube with their football stuff. I watched Spencer with his, his FIFA YouTube series and, and like what he's become. So I thought, yeah, this is a fantastic opportunity. And if it does work out, which it did, then it's, it's a great thing to follow. Did you sign for, for Hashtag United in 2018? Was it after that tournament? Yeah, I signed pretty much like a couple months after. It was just before or maybe just at the start of um, FIFA 18. So, yeah, it was just about, it was around about there. So it was about towards the end of, of 2017. No, wait. Yeah, towards yeah, the end yeah. of 2017. Yeah, because yeah. it's a year behind, isn't it, in the FIFA, yeah. the FIFA cycle? Yeah. So what was the conversation like with your family when you went to them and said, uh, I'm going to actually do this as a job now. This is this is my, this is what I do. To be fair, my, my family has always been a, a family that they're always supportive of no matter what I do. As long as I enjoy it, then it's something that they'll get behind no matter what. So initially, when I was at uni, I wanted to, to study to, to end up becoming something in the financial. Um, I wanted to become basically like a financial advisor or an accountant, something along those lines. And my mom was always supportive of that. She was also supportive of things when I was younger, for example, when I said I wanted to to compete in like athletics or when I wanted to, to do other things. And my mom was my, my mom would always be supportive of that set alongside my siblings as well. I pretty much it's, it was never a stage for me where I told my mom that this is what I'm going to do. Like I still was studying at uni as well, trying to balance both of them just to see where it ends up because I don't know if if, if it's a sustainable living. I haven't really lived or haven't been in the scene that long to to know. But again, every decision that I made is like is always supportive of it, my family. Were always supportive of it. In the space of a year, just looking at the timeline, you went from not being really involved in the esports scene at all to then being ranked number one in the world on Xbox in on FIFA 18. Is that right? No, it wasn't number one on the, on the world on Xbox. It was so basically, it was the way it worked was it's, it's difficult to explain because now we have qualifiers against other pros, but then you had weekend league qualifiers. So it's like you're playing against random people in your region. For example, I'm in Europe, obviously, so I play people in Europe. So some qualifying moms, you can finish number one in the world and qualify, but I think you just had to finish, I think it was top five in Europe, I think. Yeah, it had to be top five, because of fact, yeah, there were five people in the group, so it was top five in Europe. But I'd say number one for that year is obviously, it's gotta be Gorilla, like, because he he was performed at the event, but it's there, as I said, it was a good opportunity just to to try and get some experience in the, in the scene and to see where, where everything, where I stood in, in everything. And then obviously you signed for Hashtag United, like you said. How did that go as an experience working with Hashtag United for those couple of years? No, that was it's amazing. And to this day, I still, I'm indebted to, to Spencer, to Seb, to, to Wes, to everyone behind the scenes at Hashtag as well, to that helped me develop into the, the person I am and competitor I am today. Because I remember when I started, I was never, the thoughts, for example, of me doing a podcast would be crazy. Like even just, I was, I'm never like a, a natural public speaker or, or someone that's that's used to being in front of the camera that's never been the person I am but credit to them they helped me become it, it became the norm basically because they recorded a lot of stuff they recorded a lot of experience and qualifiers they helped a lot behind the scenes as well to to help just give us more opportunities to to succeed and yeah it was a, it was a fantastic experience with with good memories and yeah still I still watch them I still like support the players there and hope they do well 
was it weird going from being known amongst your friends group for being really good at FIFA to being suddenly this kind of internet personality and all the attention on you? Like, how, Was that a weird transition? I remember vividly in the, the World Cup, the, the, the Grand Finals were qualified for, and there was like a, it was like a news article or something. It was on one of those, I, I can't remember the exact website. It could have been Bleacher Report, I'm not exactly sure. But I remember it went up on Facebook and Instagram and stuff and I had my friends tagging me because my, my friends from the school I went to, before I went to uni, basically, I went to two different schools. So the, the second school I went to, those friends were, were tagging me in so many posts like, is this you? Is this you? This guy looks like you. Because I didn't, I didn't tell them that I'd done it. It's like, it was just something that, again, I never really saw it as much of a, as a, as a big deal. Like I just, I just carried on doing my business anyway. It was just something on the side at the time, but they were just like excited. They were like, there's no way you managed to qualify for this, but do you know what this means? But I never, again, it was only after that tournament when I saw the, the craze going around it. That's when I knew, whoa, this is like, this is massive. When did it kind of finally sink in? Because to be a professional FIFA player, obviously it means you're one of the best in the world at this particular skill, playing FIFA. Uh, and that's something to be really proud of. Did it take you a while to, for it to like sink in in terms of how talented you were at FIFA? Not not even, no. Like I, I've always known that I was I was really good at FIFA because, again, my friends could have been with they're not They're not bad players, like in all honesty. Like especially on weekend league, they'll get decently ranked. Um they finished in, in decent ranks. So I knew that they they had ability about them, but I still was dominant over them. It was more so, I don't think there was, I can't, well, anyway, I can't think of a time where there was something where it clicked, but I was like, whoa, I'm amazing at FIFA or something. It's just something over the years where I play it leisurely, but I kind of knew that I was really good at it. But it, it's a thing where I, I kind of wish back then or even years before I, I knew there was a, a scene or there were tournaments that I could enter or stuff like that, because I, I had no idea. Because there must be so many people out there um, who kind of smash their mates on FIFA and think they're really good, but they'll never have the opportunity, or they might not have the opportunity ever to to play like professional players or anything like that. And I'm sure there's loads of people thinking that they're good enough to be professional yeah. FIFA players like, at home. It's crazy, isn't it, to think that you you can go from smashing your mates on FIFA casually to oh, one of the best FIFA players in the world. Really weird transition going from nothing to everything I suppose yeah absolutely and as I said like for me we have opportunities anyway that City help um, they create content opportunities with like casual players who who are very interested in the in the esports scene so it's good just to play against those type of people which is to see how good they are if they've got the opportunity to actually go far in the scene and I respect it like I'm, I'm happy to help people that are that were in the same shoes that I was in because I remember I never like I never really knew anyone or the, the famous people in the scene. I never had any like direct communication with them. I never knew much about them. But just having the opportunity now, I guess, for for people to to play against other pros is to see where they stand in terms of ability is just it's a good opportunity for them. And what are you some kind of your major successes since becoming a professional FIFA player? I'd say obviously winning the, the European qualifier in in Germany, qualifying for the grand finals in, in FIFA 17. So FIFA 18 qualifying for it was Cup, was it Cup 2? I think Cup 2 in Manchester, I think I ranked number one in the world for that qualifier. I mean, for that um, tournament. What else was that year? It was FIFA 18, FIFA 18. I guess finishing 17th in the world is an accomplishment, but that was a year where I genuinely think I could have gone the distance, but I was just unfortunate to lose when I did. Um, FIFA 19, again, qualifying for pretty much 
a lot of the majors that were there, a lot of the Champions Cups, the Club World Cup representing City as well that year. Um, finishing 17th in the world again that year as well in FIFA 19. So it's just, it's been consistent where it's like, I qualified for the grand finals the first year I entered. And the other, the other two years after that, it's been literally one space out. And it, it's the margins are, are so slim, sometimes losing on the 120th minute just for that, that spot. It's, it's not a margin. And then FIFA 20 has probably been the worst year for me in terms of performance wise, but it's it's a weird one because now the way that the way that I looked at it before pre-coronavirus anyway, I still saw FIFA as a hobby because it's, it was never something where I thought this is my job, like this can be my job. It's more so as a hobby, but I feel like now the coronavirus, it's, it's made me realise that the however many months or four or five months now where I need to treat it as a job so I can like increase my performance levels and I treat it as something where this is something that I can create a, a living from. So now it's kind of, it's so hard to explain in, in short anyway, but I'm just trying to say that I'm going to treat it as more of a career than a job or, I mean, sorry, more of a career than a hobby. And yeah, hopefully the, the performance has improved, especially coming into the next season. When you, you left um, Hashtag and you joined Man City, one of the biggest football clubs in the world, that must have been a pretty special moment. Yeah, absolutely. And as you said about the, the family aspect, I feel like that was the moment where they thought, whoa, okay, this is something serious. Because obviously Hashtag United, they're, they're massive on, on like the YouTube scale of things. They do a lot of stuff with not just esports, but football. But City is a is the, one of the largest teams in not just English football in the world. So obviously my, my family members who are invested in in football, they everyone's heard of Man City, basically. So for, for me to be representing such a massive club, the huge infrastructure is just it's a good accomplishment and as soon as that happened i remember getting loads of messages from like my family in america because um they or well, a few of them are city fans and they were just like whoa is this real and i remember when city commented on my <laughs> um announcement post i put on instagram and then they were just going crazy like my cousins i remember but yeah it's it's a fantastic accomplishment you mentioned hashtag where you were where you at before. There's loads of other different esports organisations that you, you could have joined. What was it about Man City that that made you want to join them? Well, from when I, I came in the scene, Man City were already part of the scene. Basically, they already had a a player who was representing them, and so it's it's good to know that they they have like an interest in the scene. They're invested into it. They have they're basically structured around wanting to to build the the profile in the esports scene, especially in FIFA, which is always a, a positive. And I also had well, my current teammate now, Shells. He was also a part of, of Man City. And to, to be alongside him as a, as a teammate is, is fantastic because we're good friends out of the scene as well. So that's, that's always a good thing. And it's always very important for me is that the teammates that I have around me, I have to be able to, to relate to them, not just on a, a FIFA perspective, but an actual real life perspective as well, because it's, it's good just to, to have that connection because it feels like it, it translates both on and off the, the virtual field anyway. So it's good. It's good to have that. And also the the, um, the opportunities that come from Man City and the help that they give us to, to improve our game is, is amazing. When you're in the middle of a FIFA esports season, what does what does like a, a typical day look like for you in terms of hours practicing, who you're practicing with? What does a kind of typical day look like for you? I feel like for me, it's a bit different because at the start of the year, when the when the game comes out, I'd say for maybe one month to about six weeks, I'm on the game. Oh my God. I really don't know how to, if I'm to average it, it's probably genuinely 10 hours a day 
for about six weeks, just trying to get to grips with the new tactics that I've or the new um and new mechanics, sorry, that I've been added into the, the new edition of FIFA. So it's good just to try and learn that as soon as possible. Because you want to be ahead of the curve early. So I spent a lot of time playing that, practicing. And um, I feel like that's something where it does die down a bit as the year goes on, because obviously that's that's qualifiers are starting to come up now. I don't want to burn myself out. I want to still practice, but not as many hours as 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 at the start of the year. But I also, well, for me anyway, I try to, to make sure that I'm exercising a lot as well. So for example, if I'm going through an actual day at the start of the year, probably wake up really early, any time between maybe 7 to, to 9 a.m. I'd go to the gym for maybe an hour or two. I'd come back. I'd play FIFA, honestly, throughout the whole day until the night. Obviously, there's there's times in between that I have to eat. I'll do something to maybe help my mum out around the house. Speak to friends whilst I'm, I'm playing as well, maybe streaming. And I'd go to bed, wake up, same routine again, genuinely. It's probably the same thing for, as I say, maybe up to six weeks. That's crazy. So like you said, it's needed, isn't it? Because every FIFA title is different when it comes out. You need to learn the meta. You need to learn which players are going to perform the best to look at your formation stuff as well. But that's really interesting. What I wanted to ask uh, specifically about play style is how has your kind of the way you play FIFA been refined since them couple of years ago to now being a professional player? How much has your playing FIFA changed? Yeah, so this is, it's changed dramatically, I'll be honest, because I remember... On FIFA 17, when I qualified for it, I remember my my former teammate at Excel, his name is Painter, and I remember practicing against him. And he used to tell me that I play at like 500 miles an hour. I would genuinely, it, it, I'd use the 4 3 2 1 formation. I'd have Lukaku, Aubameyang, and Mane up top as the, the three attackers. And I would just hoof balls over the top for them to get in behind, just run. Genuinely, that's just running ahead of the ball. That's all I've done. And obviously, as the years go on, especially with this title with FIFA 20, it is a bit, it's, it's structured around defensive performance, for example. And that's never been my forte. I've never been a player that's been amazing at defending, but that's why, in my opinion anyway, this year hasn't been the best for me performance-wise. I spent the large majority of it just trying to change my game style, trying to adapt to the the meta, like just, just how the game was being played. And funny enough, as soon as I start to do it, coronavirus happens, which is great. But yeah, it's, it's a thing where... Obviously, for me, I always knew how good I am. I still know how good I am at attacking, which is it's never changed. I know that I can create opportunities really well. And I'm good at taking the chance when it comes. But defensively, I know that and keeping possession as well is something that I've tried to, to work on. And it's things that you do learn throughout the season through competing, through practicing against other opponents, even just weekending against random opponents. You learn that certain things that you need to improve on. And again, Shells, I, I managed to watch his, his gameplay. I watch him when he streams. So... I know how good he is defensively, so I try and implement those things that he does correctly into my game to to try and improve my game. And how much do you know about other players? Like when you when you're at majors and you're at tournaments, how much are you thinking about other players? And you thinking, oh, my play style will work really get really good against them, uh, or oh, I need to my, I might need to adapt my game because they're really good at defending. For example, like how much do you know about the other players when you go to a tournament? Usually a lot because it's especially this year it's the the spots are are quite low compared to like what it could be like previous years because there's more people entering the scene now. So I say the people that qualify are usually qualifying on a regular basis, so you get to grips with with what they usually do, how they perform, the players that they tend to use, the formations, the tactics, the, just everything like that. So I say uh, it's a good base of knowledge, but it it does differ because for me anyway, you get caught in a 
catch 22 whether you should apply your game style to the game where you should try and learn of what or try and cater the game towards what your opponent does so it's a difficult one but for me personally anyway i guess it's it's best well in hindsight now it's best to, to try and apply your game style to the game try and set the tempo rather than trying to cancel out your opponent because if that does go wrong you could find yourself two no down and then you're just chasing the game which is it's difficult to do on fifa 20. How much of being a professional FIFA player is adapting to new games? Because FIFA 19 and FIFA 20, there's such a stark difference between the two titles. I mean, in FIFA 19, you had like back post headers, um, L Tornado crosses, uh, crazy like finesse shots from like 90 degrees to FIFA 20, which is completely different where like long shots are nerfed. You can't head the ball at all. How much did you have to think, okay, I need to make El Tornado Crosses part of my game for FIFA 19, but then take it completely out of your game for FIFA 20? That seems like something that must take ages to kind of refine out of your playing style. No, it's, it's so difficult, especially when you spent the a large portion of the year, maybe nine months, just doing that certain thing, like the El Tornados, like the Lacroquettas, the, the no-look finesse shots, the, the back post headers. You spend so long doing that and... It, it becomes normal to, to when you play FIFA. So when you go into a next cycle, especially when qualifiers are maybe two weeks after the, the game's released. So it's like, even after five, six weeks, I'm still doing the things that were you um, were effective on FIFA 19. So it's like, it takes a long time for me to, well, this year specifically, it took a long time for me to try and iron out those, those things from the game, from the previous edition, which didn't work on this current game, which don't work on this current game, sorry. So... It takes a long time. Usually I'd say I'm quite quick at adapting, but this year has definitely been the slowest in, in terms of how I adapted, no doubt. What do you think about FIFA 20 as a game? Do you think it was better than FIFA 19? Um, I say fundamentally, yeah, because obviously we play the game of football. It's, it's a, it really depends if how you want to look at what FIFA should be at, because there's always everyone's ideal game of FIFA is different. Like there's not going to be one universal ideal game of FIFA. Like everyone wants it to be to be fun, but then you have to look at it. Do you want it to be a simulation game or an arcade game? It, it, it depends. But for me anyway, I preferred um, I prefer FIFA 20 just because fundamentally it's more, it's like what we'd see on TV, like football in terms of that. Because last year, obviously the no-look finesse shots, it was kind of unrealistic and it was it was frustrating if I'm if I'm being honest, but it's FIFA 19 is definitely a lot more fun than uh, FIFA 20. FIFA 20, I'd say, is uh, it's a lot more defensive. It's a lot more catered around players that are happy to keep the ball and um, build up really slow attacks, which, again, it's not really the way I play. So it's, it's a bit difficult for me. And you talk about adapting. I had to adapt to the game style and adapt to, to trying to change my game style as well on top of it. So it was a, it was a difficult year. We've talked to a few people involved in FIFA esports um, during the previous episodes, and I think the common theme throughout is the the kind of um, the element of luck involved in FIFA Twenty, yeah. um, because, like you said, it's a, a football simulation, and football itself is very random, isn't it, in terms of yeah, what exactly. happens? Uh, but then, if you're at a tournament and you're in the final, and there's a lot of money on the line, and there's obviously the Man City reputation on the line as well, and you lose because of a, a lucky goal that doesn't go your way. Do you think that's good as an eSport or do you think there could be improvements there? There definitely could be improvements for, for sure. But it's like, as you say, there's there's a luck factor in real life football. Should it translate to the, the actual game? I don't think so. I feel like the element of luck should be as limited as possible. It is difficult to do. Like Obviously, the EA, for, for them, it's a, it's a difficult task to try and balance the game from, from their viewpoint anyway. Do we create a game for... Like, well, for me anyway, I want to look at it like this. I, 
I kind of hope maybe in the future that there's kind of two editions of the game, like one for like the esports competitive version and then one for like the casual normal edition of FIFA that they release anyway, just because there's a lot of times where the, the competitive scene is a tiny percentage of the, the market for EA, like it's, it's tiny. It's, it barely makes a difference anyway in terms of their, their yearly revenue anyway. So it's like, why should they cater the game towards what we want? You see what I mean? So it's like, it's just something where I kind of hope next year that the luck factor is limited and it's more of a, a free-flowing game where I like end-to-end -end football. I like attacking. Maybe that's just because I'm, I'm good at it and I'm not great at defending. But again, it's just, it's a case where you don't want luck to be the deciding factor in terms of who wins the game or who loses it. And it's, it is frustrating, but it's something that it, it just comes with it. Yeah, I've heard the two-version argument um, a few times. I think that might be the way to go for future titles. Casual players, obviously, they want a, a football simulation game. They want to play yeah. as close to what football is in real life. They don't want something that's unrealistic. So, yeah, I can, I can see how, how difficult it could be for them. Apart from FIFA, is there any other games that you, that you play if you have time to, to play any other games? Yeah, so obviously during the season, all I play is is FIFA, like that's it. I don't play any other game, basically. I, I speak to my friends a lot. Sometimes I would say I'll play like Call of Duty, but that's very rare. Like it, it would be quite rare where I just wanted to take like a small break of FIFA. But during the, as I said, it's the majority, 99% of the time I'm just playing FIFA. But now obviously off season and during the pandemic, I played like a lot of games. I spent time just trying to um, just open up my ideas to, to play new games. And oh, a lot of my friends play NBA, so I downloaded that. I've been playing with them. Been playing Warzone a lot as well with with friends from school as well, and also Football Manager, something that I've got into a lot as well recently for the last couple of months since the the lockdown began. So I say broadening my horizon in terms of what games I could be playing, which is it's always good. It's good to learn new things for me. I like I like learning basically. You got to be careful with Football Manager because it will take yeah, over your I'm life. Gonna, it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you'll be playing FIFA at uh, an event, and you'll be thinking, "Oh, who who am I going to sign up for?" Exactly. Manager? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I go to bed thinking, "Okay, my next game is against whoever," and I'm I'm thinking, "What should I change tactically already?" Do you play similar uh, how on Football Manager as you do on FIFA? Do you play attacking formation and stuff? Yeah, like? I play yeah. attacking, and I play ticky tackle or, or gegenpress, press. The same thing. Exact same thing. Who, do you play a city or do you go for a couple of different no, teams? So the, one I'm, the one I'm doing now is it's with currently four other FIFA players as well. So we're in like an online save. And we've done it where none of us could be like the top teams in the league. So none of us could be um, Man City or Liverpool because we wanted to give ourselves a challenge. So we chose like, we picked out of a like a random generator online, chose it was either Leicester, Wolves, Everton... And a couple other teams, and I, I drew Leicester, which it's a good team. Not yeah, bad, yeah, not bad at all. Yeah, they have a good team in real life, so it's it's good fun. Good young team as well. Yeah, we're on like season. Oh my god, what year we're we? like twenty thirty eight or something ridiculous. What twenty thirty eight? Yeah, oh, I thought he was going to say like three years in the future. <laughs> Wow, I think you're already past the addiction stage by the yeah, time. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. If you if you don't get too addicted to football manager, that is. What are your your future kind of aspirations as a FIFA esports player? Are there still are there still some some kind of elements that you want to reach? Absolutely, I'd say, like I said, for me, this lockdown has been a blessing in disguise. I kind of used it to to take a step back just to to gauge where I am, not just in life, just in life, just to see what I'm doing, where I want to be, and. For me, competing at the top level in FIFA Esports is something that I want to do. Like I'm, I'm probably hungrier than I've than I've ever been to, 
to just practice to try and get to that top level and to to maintain. And obviously, the aim for every player would say is just to to win uh, for Champions Cup initially and just to see where it goes after that because it's a it's a massive confidence boost and confidence is is key when you're competing in esports. So for me, obviously, winning one, but I have to to just perform on a on a consistent basis next year. Like I, as I say, I'm more motivated than ever to to do so. And I just yeah, I can't wait for the next year. Who are the players that you look at and think I need to beat them if I'm going to win a, a major? There's there's a lot because it, it kind of depends for me because I think next year will be a bit of a different FIFA compared to FIFA 20. So if I'm if I'm judging off this year, of course, there's so many. There's Tex, obviously. There's Razek. There's Dossery. There's Gorilla. There's there's so many other names I could go through who are who've done fantastic this Shells. year as well. Shells as well. And well, the only way we'd play would be a cross console final. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. he plays on PlayStation. So on Xbox, there's there's a lot of, of top names. Alongside PlayStation as well, there's there's top performers on either console. But for me, next year, I just need to focus on my, what I'm doing rather than what anyone else is doing. Like that's that's been probably a, a little bit of a downfall for me this year specifically. I was always worried about or focusing on, for example, if this person's playing well, I to try and imitate what they're doing, what players they're using, what tactics they're using. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for me. Like I need to focus on, I know what I'm good at and I know what I'm bad at. So I need to focus on how I can improve at what I'm bad at and how I can sustain at what I'm, what I'm good at, if you see what I mean. So it's just like, it's just, obviously it's important to, to view other opponents, to understand what they're doing well, to, to see how they're creating goal-scoring opportunities, how you can implement things into your game that they're doing well. But the main thing for me is that I just need to focus on, on improving my abilities more than, more than anything. How much importance do you put on... Um playing on the other console because like you said if, if you eventually get to like a FIFA e-World e Cup you're going to have to play on the other console at some stage yeah it's a it's a thing you have to be you have to be ready for so I'd say I'm the, the problem for me anyway initially was the the PlayStation controller so I just I don't like how small it is it's just it kind of hurts my hand on my thumbstick <laughs> the thumbstick positioning as well is a bit yeah. different to, to Xbox so it's just a bit obviously there are niches in it where on Xbox, I can probably dribble a lot better than on PlayStation just because the left stick is is it's in a different position, basically. So obviously, it's, it's very important to, to be used to the controller. And there are slight gameplay differences as well between the consoles, so it's good just to play on both. That's why this year specifically anyway, or even on, on FIFA 20, I've played like both weekend leagues for a long period of time just to try and get used to the PlayStation controller if that opportunity ever came up. So And it did, for example, in Club World Cup, when when we play because we play 2v2 on either xbox or playstation so i say it helps a lot because i was kind of used to to the playstation controller already by then what are the differences between playstation xbox gameplay are they are they quite small but do they it's, it's small differences yeah but i say this year you won't notice it too much but i remember on fifa 19 on fifa 18 and previous fifas before that for me the gameplay on on playstation just felt a lot faster I don't know what it, it just felt like there was a if there was like a a bar where you could put the the speed. I say Xbox speed was maybe at six and PlayStation was like an, at an eight. It was weird. Like dribbling felt a lot more fluid. The player movement was a lot better. It's it, it's so hard to explain. I, I don't know what I could put put it down to. Like I really don't know. But this year, if anything, it's the opposite. I feel like PlayStation is just a bit slower than a, an Xbox. But it's not a major major difference. Like the gameplay in in everything just 
it's it's basically the same, but it's just a, a bit slower on PlayStation this year. That's that's really interesting, isn't it? Because um, at the EA Play event a couple of uh, well a month ago or so now, EA announced that there's going to be cross-platform play on a number of their titles, and I don't think it's been confirmed yet for FIFA 21. I don't no. uh, nothing's been confirmed, but would that be a massive thing if if FIFA 21 was cross-platform between? PlayStation, Xbox, that would obviously level the playing field, wouldn't it, for everyone? And absolutely. you wouldn't have to you wouldn't have to have yeah. these cross console finals. No, absolutely. But you can look at it in the other way, like having a cross console final for, for EA is kind of like a niche in the esports scene. Like not many other, or I don't know if any other scene or any other game does it. That's a good point, and yeah. Yeah. So it is a it is interesting because obviously there's still the rivalry between Xbox and PlayStation. Who do you, you who well, who do we think's better? Who wins more of the trophies? And it's just like a bragging right as well. But I say for me anyway, it will be a major step forward for for FIFA to become cross-platform just because you see other other games and other platforms that are doing it and it's it's successful so it, and it's it's really entertaining to watch. So I don't know, we'll see what happens. But for me personally, I'd kind of like that to happen. I know I've asked about your kind of future aspirations as a as an esports pro. What are your kind of life aspirations? I watched you um do sort of a bit of punditry, uh, esports punditry at the Summer Cup um, for Twitch. Yeah. What do you think you're going to do when your esports career is finished, however long that might be? Have you got any plans of what you're going to do afterwards? Um, in, in all honesty, not direct plans to what. Well, I don't have any direct plans on what I'm going to do after it. Like I'm trying to just live it as it comes. Like it's still something that's that's kind of new to me, and this this lifestyle was never something I intended to do. Like I love every moment of it, so it's something where. I was trying to, to live it how it is now, but I'd say, as you mentioned, the punditry is a, it's a fantastic opportunity and I'm, I'm grateful for, for that from EA. It's just, it's something where maybe if I don't qualify for an event, it's still something that I could do to, to be involved in that in that specific tournament. And it was really good fun, if I'm honest. It is difficult. It's very difficult to do that. Like, I have to give credit to the the commentators and stuff. It's really hard to to do that, but it was, it was great fun. But I'd say, obviously, when I stop competing, my aim is still to remain in like the esports scene somewhere or another, whether it's being a managing an esports team or being a coach or as I say being a, a commentator opponent, that's still something that I'm very interested in doing. Do you do you have a coach at the moment? The way it's it's weird because yes, but it's the way we do it is that like you you basically call someone if you qualify for a tournament, you call someone up just to try and coach you, whether it's another player or whether it's an actual coach. Oh, okay. And yeah. Yeah. I remember when years ago. Even FIWC, when they told us we can bring a coach, and I was like, why do I need a coach? Like, <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> like, yeah, it's only been yeah. over the past like, year or so, hasn't it, that they've yeah. allowed coaches in to sit with you and stuff at events. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I was like, why do I need a coach? Like, I'm a me? pro player, I don't need a coach. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. I already know, I, like, I'm already good enough. There's no one who can tell me I'm like what I'm doing wrong. Like, the only people that could do that are the players that beat me, but they're already in the tournament. So it's like, there's not, I never really saw the, the, the necessary, like, the needs for having a coach, but... As the years go, have gone on anyway, I noticed how important it is because it's not, they don't necessarily have to solely help you in terms of ability, but it's like certain things that you can only notice yourself when you're watching it rather than actually playing it. Because sometimes you're so zoned in, you do stuff that you don't really notice and it becomes repetitive or your opponent's having a lot of success doing one thing and you're not realizing it. However, having that that person that can view it from that different angle is is very important. And also the the psychological thing as well, having someone that could, Keep you calm, keep you composed, and keep you ready for the for the upcoming games. 
I think the current players, like yourself, have got a, a really important role over the next couple of years because obviously you're one of the first really generation where you're professional FIFA players. So in five, ten years' time, when the next generation are coming through, there's so much experience you can give to them because, like you said, when you get a, a FIFA player that's like 19, 20, they might not feel that they need a coach because, you know, they, they say, I'm good enough already. But you've been in that position yourself yeah. where you've thought, I don't need a coach, but you'll know how to help them, what they're going through, um, some of the, the mentality that is involved in terms of keeping them calm and stuff. Um, so I think it could be invaluable in the future. No, absolutely. I'd say invaluable, as you said, because that experience, as I say, if I could look back a couple of years ago and just have the mindset that I had now, it would be completely different. Like, as I say, like the psychological aspects and just being an actual professional. Like, as you say, I'm a professional FIFA esports player, so I need to act that way. And sometimes you do get frustrated. Sometimes you do get angry. And it's it's a thing where uh, like you have to focus on what you want to do. You have to conduct yourself properly. You have to make sure that you're performing at the highest level. And to do that, you have to be active professional on both on the pitch and on social media and everything like that. So again, it's 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 been a learning curve, uh, a massive learning curve over the past couple of years. But I'm grateful for the position that I'm in now. I'm sure you've you've had it, obviously, being a professional FIFA player, and I've had it as an esports journalist where you, you tell people what you do and some some people say, oh, you just play games or you write games for a living, yeah. uh, write back games for a living. It's becoming more mainstream now, isn't it? I think people recognise that you're uh, an athlete, if you like. You're an esports athlete. You're, you've got talent at what you do. You practice and hone your craft and people want to watch you. Um, do you think that's that's changed a lot since you first started doing uh, FIFA esports? Absolutely. I'd say as the years have gone in, it's getting gradually more and more I guess, as you said, mainstream is, is appearing a lot more on on even sports channels. I remember there's, there's been a lot of esports events that have been shown on ESPN, that have been shown on Sky for, for FIFA's perspective as well. So that's always a, a great thing because, again, having the scene growing more and more benefits us as well. And us like performing well and being on mainstream media, is it helps the scene grow as well. So it's, a, it's good to have a combination of both. And I feel like, as I said, as you said, in five or ten years, like the scene, it has the scope for improvement or the scope to become one of the leading esports for FIFA is, is massive. Like football is pretty much, is it? I don't know statistically anyway. It's probably one of the most watched sports, if not the most watched sport in the world. So, and we play a game that's based around it. So it's kind of easy to transition from watching sport to playing a, a, a or watching football to to playing a football video game. Like anyone can do it. Anyone can can try and compete. Anyone can play. So it's it's kind of relatable for a lot of people. Yeah, and I've learned as well, esports has so much in common with traditional sport in terms of not just talent, but also mentality as well. Absolutely. And how in, in in a tournament situation where there's pressure on you and you're losing and you need to turn it around, that that's often the difference between the best, some of the good players and the very best. A hundred percent. Like, and it's, as I said, since the lockdown started, it's something that I've learned like my, about myself, like how important it is. Like, you don't really realize it until you've, experience that situation so it's that like, it's so hard for you to as i said like the, the experience is invaluable now that i've i've kind of learned from those experiences you can use it to, to help other people and also help help yourself going into future tournaments but that mentality separates the the top top players from just the the top players that like, there's a major difference in in mentality and it's something that i've been working on as well see i've been helping with me with that with like huge amounts of help so it's it's good as i say i feel like the best I feel the best that I've possibly ever felt since competing. I'm just looking forward to 
to the next season. That's a scary prospect for all the other FIFA players out there. Yeah. <laughs> if they're listening, um, Ryan, it's been a real pleasure uh, speaking with you. I really appreciate you coming on, taking the time to chat with me. I wish you all the best with FIFA 21, uh, whatever that might bring, whatever meta there is. Yeah, I wish you all the best with it. Thank you, Nathan, man. I really appreciated the opportunity. And yeah, hopefully it's an attacking game. I'll, I'll be there leading the charts, no doubt. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Level Up podcast and esports and gaming show. Make sure you've subscribed to the podcast and follow us on social media at Level Up Pod. We'll be back for another episode very soon. <laughs>